0: Hello and welcome to Muppetational, the UK's biggest Muppet show podcast, hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. This week, it's season two, episode two, starring the furry and frenetic Zero Mostel. It's time to get things started on the chronological, explorational, conversational Muppet Station! Woo! <gasps> Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Muppetational. I'm Lewis Chandler.
1: I'm Jay Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler.
0: And we are here this week as we are every week to discuss another episode of The Muppet Show. How are we both doing, everyone?
2: How are we both doing, everyone? Are you okay then?
0: <laughs> I'm so cold and I think it's <laughs> affected my brain. That does not bode well, does it? Peter won't let me touch the thermostat. <laughs> I've got two jumpers on and a little hat. Ah.
2: <laughs> Lewis does look like he's either in a Wes Anderson film or just come off of a small boat. I'm not sure which. <laughs> <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. My little tugboat. <laughs> yeah, so I'm freezing cold.
2: In answer to your question, I'm okay, although we've just had lunch, and I'm not sure if it's made me a little bit sleepy, but I'm going to try <laughs> oh, in a- Pep myself up.
0: (laughs) Slap yourself around the face a couple of
1: times.
0: (laughs) How are you, Emma? How was your lunch?
1: Yeah, it was good. It's like pepped me up. I'm I'm ready to roll. Let's go.
0: (laughs) What did you have for lunch, Emma?
1: It was very exciting. It was a cheese
0: sandwich. (laughs) Way to push the freaking boat out.
1: I had an ice cream as well. (laughs) Did you say ice cream?
2: Yeah. Oh my god, (gasps) if somebody
0: gave me an ice cream, I'd be, (laughs) I think I'd freeze to death. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Lewis would just turn into a block of ice
0: I'd be like Rizzo when he uh, falls into that like icy barrel of water in Muppet's Christmas Carol <laughs> you and Jade would have to like smash me against a wall to, like release me <laughs> let's uh, let's get back to the, uh, the episode at hand uh, Jade why don't you start us off with a little production information
2: I shall so this episode was originally broadcast on the 5th of March 1978 It was written by Jerry Jewell, Joseph A. Bailey, Jim Henson and Don Hinckley. And interestingly, the runner for this episode was based on the plot that Joseph A. Bailey wrote for his audition script. So they adapted it a little bit, but it was his submission, which I think is quite a fun fact. Um, Mm. And this episode was also directed by Peter Harris. So yeah, Emma, please introduce us to... Zero Mostel. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Zero Mostel was an
1: actor, comedian and singer known for his physically and emotionally expressive acting, as we'll soon see slash talk about <laughs> when we talk about the um, episode. He was in a lot of Broadway shows, revivals. He was in most notably in Fiddler on the Roof. Um, and he That
0: was- makes sense sense yeah
1: (laughs) um he won three tonys although unfortunately he was blacklisted in the 1950s um so he was terminated from contracts with mgm as well as fox what Um, did they think he was
0: a communist
1: yes yeah
0: (gasps) oh wow oh wow that's great was he a communist (laughs) great (laughs) great research oh jesus
2: emma's (laughs) just pulling a face everyone
0: (laughs) it's an oral medium emma
2: (laughs) I'm going to Google Zero Must Let's Mos- have a Google. Zero, Zero Moscow communist. communist. Here we go. What does it say? He was left wing. Yeah.
0: Well, we're all left wing.
2: Yeah. Defended his right to privacy and political freedom. Oh,
0: maybe it's just like that terrible movie Being the Ricardos where he just ticked a wrong box one time. <laughs> <laughs> just like Lucille Ball. <laughs> or whoever that was meant to be in that movie.
2: (laughs) Nicole Kidman's extremely long fingers had no control over that pen (laughs) in that box.
0: (laughs) Oh, what a terrible, terrible film.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so I can see that it says he denied he was a member of the Communist Party, but he refused to provide information about his political opinions of his friends. So I guess he didn't
0: didn't play ball, so... He wasn't a scab. Good, he didn't name names. Exactly. He wasn't like Ilya Kazan or... Elia Kazan.
2: <laughs> you can tell we're all very, very familiar with the House on, well, on, ama- on ama- american, american Activities, Activities Committee. Committee. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I do have that book that Emma gave me that I never read, The Witch Hunt in Hollywood. Oh. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Emma. To, back to Zero Mustel.
1: Back to Zero. Yeah. So... His career revived in 1966 when he appeared in an off-Broadway production of A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 1967, he played, is it Max Bialystok?
0: Bialystok.
1: Yeah, in the original producer's film. Oh, oh cool. Oh.
2: Yeah.
0: I've never seen the original. I've only ever seen the, the stage and the musical adaption.
2: Yeah, me too. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, and
1: unfortunately, he actually died before this episode was aired on TV.
0: Oh wow. I mean, he he doesn't look in peak health.
2: He looks ill. That's yeah. just that's just he does I mean he looks sweaty and a bit grubby and i noticed on my second viewing his hands look the color of his hands yes was quite strange
1: oh and when we get to the fears of zero oh my god they're like wiggly finger that was weird yes
2: <laughs> i don't think that was gonna kill him but
0: uh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that he's uh he's a very interesting figure now that you've mentioned some of the roles so fiddler on the roof that makes a lot of sense, and I can totally see him as a Max Bialystock. So it makes sense for me that he came from theatre. But wow, to win three Tony awards—that's um that's quite a lot. It's
2: a lot of Tonys.
0: What a, prof- what a profound uh, observation! <laughs>
2: <laughs> what a lot of Tonys. Yeah, it's one more than two and one less than four. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let's hope we can keep these kind of uh, interesting insights going as we launch into our um, our thoughts on the episode. Um, we we are going straight into a cold open as i assume we will just be as standard for the rest of the uh, for the rest of the run of the show um on a an eating joke that seems to be playing on oh you'd expect this fat man to be eating in his dressing room but instead he's being eaten instead
2: yeah it's a bit of a weird one isn't it i mean i don't know if it's playing on that or if it's just playing on moppet monsters like to eat things as we absolutely found out throughout season 1 but mm. It's a, it's a bit something of nothing, isn't it? Really, and yes. I didn't quite understand him pouring the water. Did did either of you understand? I thought it was
0: just ca- like a a whimsical escalation, mm. but I was quite impressed by it. I thought of the poor puppeteer <laughs> underneath who was probably getting,
1: he's going to get um, very wet, drenched. <laughs>
0: yeah, and they probably, probably actually I suppose they wouldn't have had a microphone on, but there's probably some tech equipment down there. But that is the tip of the iceberg for Zero Mostel throwing around. What feel like quite dangerous props oh during my this?
2: My God, this would not be allowed to be made uh, <laughs> in 2022.
0: I, I was, I, I couldn't believe. It. We'll get to no, it. No, we'll I get know. To it, but. Uh... Oh my goodness! I was just like, "Oh my
2: god, look <laughs> out!" is <laughs> Zero Mostel's about? I thought there was going to be a hard cut at one point and just sort of come back with some smouldering ashes. But yes, we'll get to it. <laughs> yes, some
0: stagehand quickly trying <laughs> to like put out a small fire. So it turns out my suspicion was correct. Obviously, we are going to be getting a little uh, Statler and Waldorf yeah. joke in that little beat during the opening titles. It felt
2: a lot better with with them actually saying something this week. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. And and <laughs> it was quite funny with them just saying, please let them be funny for once. Like very statler, very ward off.
0: And after last week's episode with Don Knotts, I felt much the same. Yes,
2: exactly. Exactly. And then we go straight into Kermit briefly introducing Zero. And then saying that they're going to placate the cultural lovers in our audience, at which point Sam the Eagle gets a little insert where he is extremely happy. Yes. (laughs) Because we're going to hear a rendition of Chopin's Polonaise in A-flat. But then Fozzie very, very cutely appears from behind the curtain and peeks round and tells Kermit the bad news that the concert pianist cannot make it. And at the point that he tells Kermit that Dr. Teeth is going to do the rendition instead. I don't know if you both heard, but he tells Kermit, good luck, kid, which I thought was hilarious.
0: I I feel like that must have been a little ad lib. But the cut back to Sam the Eagle just going,
1: what? That was hilarious.
0: I cackled. I love, I really enjoy Sam the Eagle, particularly when he's just... I like him most when he's just a cut to or a reaction where, you know, it's it's that little moment in this episode. It's in the Muppet family Christmas where the Sesame Street uh, gang are doing that Christmas pageant and it just cuts to Sam the Eagle in a doorway going, is nothing sacred <laughs> burying his head into his wings and i do i love sam the eagle so much and that was just such a perfect little
2: <laughs> it's amazing i feel like all of his little interjections throughout the whole episode are absolutely spot on mm. like such a nice use of him to 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 be playing yes. with that and they feel like they're so much more confident at cutting back and forth, and having that pace be a little bit zippier, and yes. and just using those Muppets to the to their character strengths, basically.
0: Yeah, it's like all of them are so clearly established now. Mm. Well, albeit you know we're two episodes in, we're only getting Gonzo appearing in the O of Muppet Show, so we ha- we can't quite gauge how much they might have fixed Gonzo's character yet. But um, I really enjoyed this opening number. I thought it sounded really great. I adored Animal just shouting, Chopin!
2: Chopin! Chopin! It was amazing. (laughs) The stage and the setting and the lights and everything, like, again, I know we said about it last week, but it just feels like everything's had an upgrade. Everything's Mm. that bit flashier. This is a proper stage. Like, you could imagine this stage on an episode of 1978's Top of the Pops, can't you? You know, it actually looks like a proper musical performance by electric teeth oh, sorry <laughs> electric by <Doctor> teeth, teeth. <laughs> by dr teeth and the electric mayhem electric teeth would be a fun band name <laughs>
0: together in electric teeth
2: <laughs> it goes goes with muppet labs which i don't want to get too excited about just yet <laughs> lewis is literally about to burst everyone um, um but, but you're yeah, right no, even I... the,
0: even the sort of camera movements that the, exactly, the, the swooping what... mm. up yep. from above and yep. down and yep. Again, you you couldn't clock a single Muppet performer beneath no. them. You know, it's so, you're right. It's so confident and so, you know, it's evoking exactly what it's what it's meant to be, a band performing in a, you know, a studio set. But it it isn't. It doesn't feel so fixed as it used to, where it used to cut to maybe three angles. One stationary shot of Dr. Teeth, one close-up of the hands playing, and then a wide shot of the entire band. It just felt more... Alive,
2: yeah, I wrote down fluid, like I just yes. felt like the whole thing was very fluid, had a really good rhythm to it, like I was genuinely quite dazzled by all the sort of sparkling lights and everything like it just it it felt it just felt great to yeah. me, really, really lovely. Emma, what did you make of it?
1: Yeah, no, I thought it was really nice. I think it like you said, they've definitely kind of worked on the sort of way they're presenting them, and it was just really nice to see them kind of more gelled as well as like mm. a band it was just fun to see them again it was a nice opening to the show I thought and it
2: still did escalate with mm. them getting to the point where animals started yelling show band yeah. show and everything like it it still had that bit of a muppety twist on it that exactly. was just enough you know
0: and then we go straight from the performance into the beginning of the the runner for the episode and it makes sense that uh you said that this was the audition script for, what was his name again joseph a bailey joseph a bailey oh that's what because i was thinking george bailey but that's yes it's a wonderful life <laughs> 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 oh i don't have your script it's it's <laughs> it's it's over that no, <laughs> brain freeze um because it feels like such a decent well thought out plotted mm. runner where okay First, the problem is we don't have any money. So we have some jokes about that. Then we have Scooter calling his uncle. His uncle is demanding lady wrestlers. Kermit then has to deal with telling Sam the Eagle they're going to have lady wrestlers, hiring the lady wrestlers, and then the conclusion on stage with the wrestling match. And it's it's exactly what we were sort of talking about during season one that we hoped for, to have a more narrative-led mm. runner, you know, like we had with the episode where the, the plant, uh, overruns yeah. the Muppet studio and it's, it's that threading of a proper plot integrating the characters them behaving exactly as you expect them utilising it much in the same way that the Simpsons once they have such a huge wide cast of characters of Springfield they can just drop these different characters in and see how they'll react or they provide a sort of propulsion to the plot because you know it will do something interesting it felt very confident again in that way the word we keep using
2: yeah and I think it's that Mixing of the off stage and the on stage as well that felt for the most part like it was completely lacking from the first season. Yes. But with this, the big finale number is the culmination of the runner. Yes. Which again, for the most part, has not been the case in anything that we've seen so far. I think if we'd seen the episode as it was originally aired for last week, maybe we'd have felt slightly more like this. But this even feels like a a step on from that doesn't mm. it really it feels like it's it's taking it to the next level which yeah it's just it's just really really great to see them finding their feet and and also working out how to get more character development in and utilize the characters in a in a more interesting and dynamic way
0: mm. I did find it um funny that when Kermit turned to us and said oh Scooter's on the phone to his uncle who owns the theatre it was strange to see him use that turn to the audience because usually it's just a a a punchline or some sort of like oh can you like Mm -hmm. a little comment whereas this was just a a a narrative reminder because really unless you saw that episode where you find out that Scooter is the nephew of the owner of the theatre a year ago you know, unless there's been a repeat since then, you're not seeing that episode again, you're not being reminded of that information per se. So you can see why the necessity for Kermit to do that is there. But it's it is quite funny just to hear him turn and give us a little explanation rather than a, a joke or a comment.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I guess they could have even done it in a more... Scooter could have been on the phone going, hi, uncle who owns the theatre or something, but actually it worked fine to have Kermit doing it. The audience has that sort of relationship with Kermit, don't they? Yeah. The fourth
0: wall breaking in the asides, it was just a different use of it, wasn't it? Yeah.
2: Um, I did just want to say very quickly that obviously the sort of B-runner almost of this episode was Statler and Waldorf watching TV, which we got a snippet of before we went backstage. Mm. And... I thought that was hilarious that they just decided to bring a television set to the theatre because they don't want to watch the Muppet show. They're just going to watch television. But not going
0: instead. to give up their booth. Not going to give up no, their booth.
2: No, no. No, they, they like those seats. Those seats are comfortable, but they just want to watch something else. Okay, that's 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 all it is
0: it's very meta when they uh tune into themselves or, or, yes. or...
2: <laughs>
1: it's hilarious that's what i wrote i was like this is very meta
2: <laughs> it also did make me think of goggle box again which i think we've spoken about before that they just sort of seem like goggle box characters at points and
0: with that it's... and why haven't we had the muppets doing oh, goggle box be
2: amazing it'd be so good Especially if they were watching some trashy British TV as well. So it's like even more of a culture clash. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be great.
0: So then we move on to our first big sketch of the episode. And Emma, I think is our resident... uh, Historian. (laughs) Historian, a uh, a 2-1 from the University of... uh, Wait, where did you go? Winchester (laughs) in history please lead us into this this next sketch
1: yeah so this is our first kind of big sketch with zero and the queen muppet which i still find very freaky i have to say since we saw her in twiggy's episode or no don't still don't like it (laughs) no
0: i don't like it as soon as they panned over and i saw even just a bit of her i went no it's the queen puppet
1: Yeah, so we're going for a very kind of like Tudor Hall banquet scene, and obviously Zero is dressed up as King Henry VIII. A
0: beautiful Tudor Hall.
1: Very good Tudor Hall. Very, very historically accurate, (laughs) I have to say. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Love the wood panelling.
0: (laughs) We'll take your word for it, Emma.
1: But take my word for it, this is where we're gonna get loads of comments being like, No,
2: it's not <laughs> <laughs> Well, I thought the set looked astounding and I also thought Zero's outfit was crazy. There was so much gold in it and everything.
1: Yeah. That's a very Tudor vibe. Yeah. Red
2: and gold. But the, the production values for this were, were so high. So yeah. high.
1: I was amazed they used real candles. <laughs> uh, well, yes.
0: <laughs> right, let's just get straight to it. He chucked around so many lit candles candles and i just how were they allowed to do that it just seems so dangerous
1: i know and the bit where he like jumped over the real dog i know it interspersed with the puppet dog but i was like oh god <laughs>
0: emma i think that was the puppet dog at that point I don't no know i was... think
1: it was the real no dog. it was the real dog
0: okay i've now pulled a total peter i don't think i ever clocked at one point that it was a real dog what i Lewis. only thought it was a puppet dog
2: no when it was on the floor at the front of the table a few times it was the real dog
0: oh uh, No, I was just too distracted by Zero Mostel and I was worried what he was going to throw next. Yeah,
1: and then when he went kind of crazy with the knife into the chicken, that was a fake dog.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, that stabbing was so visceral. I mean, I saw Scream yesterday. This felt more alarming in some way. Like, Ghostface, I kind of know how he's going to behave. Zero Mostel, I did not feel
2: safe. Just to take this back, I kind of immediately... the very first moment, the first thing with the setting and his outfit, and as we all know, I quite like the Queen Muppet, So I was quite happy she was there. That was all like, okay, what are what are we getting from this? What what is this? What's happening? And then you sound like it, Karen
0: from to... Will and Grace.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what is this? What's happening? What's going on? I can be Megan Mullally anytime that's fine with me um, but then to go into what do the simple folk do which is from camelot i knew it was from camelot i was gonna guess it was from camelot <laughs> it's a yeah learn, it's a learner and low what do the simple folk do to help them escape
0: when they're blue shepherd who is ailing, the milkmaid who is glum, the cobbler who is wailing while nailing his thumb. When there are beset and besieged, the folk not noblessly oblige. However do they manage, to shed their weedy lot, oh what?
2: Guess kind of got my back up straight away. Like, I know he was obviously being King Henry the eighth but I was just like, okay, what are we doing with this song? Like, here's a king who's lording it around his castle with his queen. He's singing about what do the simple folk do? And I was just like, okay, I'm just waiting for something other than him throwing candles around and stabbing a chicken. Like, what what are we doing with this? And i don't know i was really disappointed with it i felt like they were obviously leaning into his more theatrical tendencies but it was all a bit serious and straight for the most part until he started going are you serious yeah like when he was singing the main vo vi- like when they were singing their main verses before he found out what it was that the simple folk do he was just singing it and then i honestly found it a bit boring and a bit long. And yeah. both times I watched it, I found myself zoning out in, betwe- in between the bits of him throwing the candles around and going crazy and doing his silly little dance. It didn't have enough of that muppety twist and... Oh, I don't know. I just, I just really, really did not vibe with it, basically.
0: Okay, I did not expect to vibe with this. And I ended up vibing with this. I found... I liked the the sort of, the shift from the, you play it straight, he's a Keith Henry VIII, he's singing the verses, and then you go to the anarchy. You don't have the Muppets provided the anarchy. It is all Zero Mostel, and it is a very frantic, aggressive, comedic persona. I didn't love the, the throwing the set around and the stabbing the chicken, but when we got to the, oh, the common people like to dance, and then he did his little... Like soft little, yes, a little, little jig. (laughs) (laughs) I um, I found myself. It was less frantic by that point, so it didn't feel quite. I, but I appreciated it, and yes, it was long. But I wonder if that was them having to justify how much money they might have spent on the set,
1: (laughs) or maybe how much money they spent on candles. Some and the poor dog
0: stagehand <laughs> rushing on with some sand yeah. or like some water, like
1: <laughs> especially the bit where he was like that candelabra near the curtain. I was like,
2: oh, <laughs> that had like what six or seven candles on it, and it went flying. How? How did he do that?
0: I suppose maybe just at the velocity that he blobbed it. Maybe all the candles just went out. Do you know what I mean? So it's actually—it's not like he was throwing a, uh, you know, a flaming torch that has some sort of say,
1: flaming baton. Then,
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah. flaming batons. (laughs) She said they were Satan's panties. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know, if he was throwing some sort of, you know, flaming (laughs) torch, stop saying, stop thinking of baton. You know, so I, I, but it was, it's still very extreme. I didn't mind it. I thought it, I have sat through much longer opening sketches from guests where I've prayed for it to be over and I was not praying for it to be over. I was like,
2: okay. I'm all right. I just found myself disengaging from it. Like I didn't mind the dancing and obviously I was watching when he was throwing around the candles and ripping the curtains and for your own
0: safety. But
2: yeah, exactly. I I was genuinely like, "Oh my god, this is this is going to be a disaster." But I guess I found it a bit unmuppety really, overall, because it wasn't playing with the Muppets particularly, and the Queen just sang her little bit; she wasn't really involved. And then the only other Muppet puppet,
0: was, Julie Andrews,
2: <laughs> was Muppy and that was it. And yeah, yeah,
0: Emma, you're going to have to do the deciding vote. Where do you come down <laughs> on this uh, on this opening number?
1: I mean, I did write, "Wow, this is long," so. <laughs> um, <laughs> we know where my uh (laughs) where your vote's going where my vote goes yeah
0: Uh, you could say like the bachelor you decided to give your tudor rose to someone else (laughs) (laughs) very good thank you
2: before we move on i just want to say very quickly that this sketch was actually used as um an auditioning process that Jim henson and the Muppet Show were doing, um, to recruit a female to the puppeteering cast and
0: great, very good. <laughs>
2: Roshenda Carey. Um, she didn't do the puppeting for the Queen, but she did provide the voice. So this was her audition. Unfortunately, she didn't get the role, uh, as I think oh. probably a lot of people know, Louise Gold ended up joining oh, the Puppeteers. But there's, in, in subsequent episodes, there's someone else who auditions and Louise Gold obviously auditions as well and then is appointed. But I thought it was quite interesting that this was the sketch that they used for one of the audition pieces. And I suppose in a way it makes sense because the Queen doesn't really have to do tons It's and it was just a, a singing audition in many ways. But yeah thought so that was quite quite interesting. bit, of, bit of That was interesting. Behind the scenes knowledge there. Poor Rashinda. Yes.
0: Rashinda? I hardly know her. <laughs> because she didn't get the job. Yes.
2: I understand, Lewis.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, fine. So after this, I mean, we pretty much have... Talked about them already, but I did just want to give a very quick shout out to Beach Blanket Frankenstein, <laughs> yes, which has like the crappiest, most wonderful 1950s B movie of somewhere between like a horror picture and a, a beach movie. <laughs> it's like you just have like Sally Field as Gidget running around next to Boris Karloff or something.
2: <laughs> it really doesn't sound like something that Statler and Waldorf would be interested in watching, but but what but do I know? That's
0: the joke, Jade. <laughs> Sounds like a terrible movie. They look up at the Muppet Show and then decide to continue watching Beach Blanket Frankenstein.
2: I know that's the joke, but I'm just saying. Like, I love the idea that there's <laughs> not not that there was obviously tons on TV at that time because there clearly wasn't, but just like in general that they would have ever put that on in the first place, basically. <laughs> like...
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I meant. <laughs> so, okay, fine. Yeah. I cannot believe Jade. You promised us. <laughs> That there would never be another at the dance I did not promise.
2: I did not promise. You promised. I did not promise. I did not promise. And
0: then that horrible music (laughs) came trailing in like a nightmare. (laughs) And we were stuck in this strange what dance at a tennis event because
2: why was every joke about tennis so many tennis jokes i haven't got a clue in my mind the only thing i can think is that it was like you know they have that champions dinner after wimbledon where they get dressed up and they get their they get their trophies and everything i am assuming this was at that that's the only thing i can think of because why were all the puns about tennis and they weren't even funny yet again i mean you know the the goal to bring the ballroom back why do we need at the dance in season two of the muppet show we do not and okay, then
0: i'm just gonna say i did laugh at the two tennis balls dancing yes. and one of them asking where have you been all day
2: in court
0: <laughs> <laughs> i was like eh. <laughs>
2: I thought the tennis balls were cute, but I was like, that's still a bad pun. Uh, Yeah. Bad pun. Bad pun. I did say I didn't think it was coming back. I am sorry that it has come back. I don't think it sticks around for too long. So hopefully.
0: I can't. We were so happy. We were so happy once. (laughs) (laughs) It was over.
2: (laughs) And it still finished with an explosion as well, which really made me just go... Uh, okay, I oh, know Crazy <laughs> Harry was back,
0: and Gonzo had an explosion this week in the O of the Muppet Show. Not just he did. flames.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he did, yeah. The 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 explosion budget is obviously back in full force. Yeah. So.
0: They hadn't arrived for episode one. Yeah, <laughs> the shipment hadn't got to the uh, had had gotten to the studio.
2: Yeah, so I'm um, I'm sorry, everybody.
0: Good, and apologise to the viewers as well, the listeners. <laughs>
2: I did not write this we know that <laughs> but yeah so i cannot be account- held accountable if there are more instances of the ballroom okay i want like, someone I thought- to blame <laughs> blame the writers lewis not me
0: <laughs> no
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah so we go into a chat with sam and Kermit backstage and I believe this is the actual UK spot which is quite interesting because I don't think apart from possibly it was it the Vincent Price episode with the singing ghosts that were
2: backstage that mm. we haven't really had a backstage UK spot for a while? No we we definitely haven't had a backstage one and also it feels quite interesting to me that this is essentially a bit of plot. Yeah. It's not a song it's not a little sketch or a setup okay yes you can take it out and you as we've just been saying you still understand sam the eagle's character and where he would stand on lady wrestlers but i thought Mm. this was quite a solid little bit of dialogue between kermit and sam it was i think my favorite line i think when
1: kermit said he was like i never know why he's here
0: (laughs) (laughs) kermit's trying to avoid and Uh, lady wrestling
2: yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) it was it was a really nice bit of business i'm very surprised to hear that was the uk spot i mean as you yeah it can be lifted out but it feels like it adds so much
2: yeah it does Mm. it does and and i also really like that it was in the prop cupboard so again we're fleshing out that backstage world that's not just kermit's desk the backstage area the two dressing rooms it's it's actually like a functioning part of the theatre. Yeah,
1: it, it kind of made me think of the ride in um, the Hollywood Studios. Oh, you know, when you're... You...
0: Wait. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you mean Muppet Vision?
1: Muppet Vision, sorry, Pretty... yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, of course, because you're sort of waiting in there, the sort of props backstage yeah. before yeah. you go into the theatre, don't you?
2: Oh, yeah, that's such a good point. Good shout. I, Emma. I hadn't that. thought of that, but you're right, it is. Yeah.
0: Oh, and I forgot to mention in the, in the bit of the runner earlier when Scooter was on the phone, I loved how Jim was doing Kermit's little kind of listening acting mm-hmm. he was sort of turning up like a side of kermit's mouth side of face bit to sort of try and listen into the uh the telephone i thought that was a very nice little bit of um puppeteering business it
2: was it was good and i also when sam the eagle got the pie in not really in the face as much as in the beak. Yeah. Um, I, I thought Frank played that beautifully with him just being totally stoic and like, what's just happened to me? I am a eagle of standing and I've got a pie in the beak. Pie, <laughs>
0: <laughs> pie in the beak. I always forget how big Sam the eagle is. He's huge. Mm. Like every time he open, like he opened his arms a fair amount. I just think. God, look at the wingspan on him.
2: <laughs> Even just the size of his head compared to when you see him right next to Kermit like that, like, he looks like he could just sort of sit on Kermit and that would be the end of Kermit. He's just enormous, isn't he? He's just he an absolutely enormous monkey He's a big bird. <laughs> He's a big bird. And he looked beautiful, I thought, this week. He's... Yeah.
0: Resplendent.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right, Lewis, are you okay? <gasps> My son! <laughs>
0: is here
2: <laughs> from the second muppet lab
0: started i was like oh my god is this gonna be the moment and then dr Bunsen Honeydew turns and my beautiful child just slowly crept his way around uh emirac <laughs> and just <laughs> he was so nervous and so cute he didn't do any meeping but he was just so <sighs> it made me so happy i would just grinned for the entire sketch. And I actually thought that the sketch itself was really solid. The magnetic carrots was a very cool bit of business. I loved the the robo bunny.
2: Oh, steel, steel rabbit. rabbit. Steel rabbit, yeah. It was such a cool puppet.
0: And this, the uh, the sound effects they were using to simulate that kind of springy, boing, yang yang, yang boing, boing, like movement. It, it felt really cohesive and really solid. I really liked it, separate to the fact that
2: Beaker is here! He's here! I really loved Beaker's reaction to when Dr. Bunsen says that the carrots are snazzy. Beaker like, lifted his head up full and then shook it as if to say, hell no, these carrots are not snazzy. What's this guy on about? Like It was just a, a really, really great reaction that already started to solidify their relationship and how they interact together. And then at the end, when he... After he'd been knocked flying by the still rabbit, and came up, and his eyes were all skew if, and he was all frazzled. I was like, "There he is! There's Beaker. He's he's already getting annihilated by the the scientific advancements of the research <laughs> of grant." <Muppet> Labs, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of the research grant.
0: <laughs> I just love him so much. He's just such a perfectly designed, panicky-looking creature. I was, you know, there's never been a point in my life where I didn't know Beaker existed. And so it's hard to sort of look at him objectively. But when you look at when we've watched now, you know, over a season of this show and you look at some of these potentially one off Muppets or even other regular Muppets who turn up and their design is interesting. There is something so perfect and pleasing about Beaker, the way his little mouth just sort of flaps and he has these huge panicked bug eyes and even just the choice of the red hair on top that is just a little tuft, you know, almost kind of like bob esque, where it's just a long thin frame and a just a little tuft at the top.
2: <sighs> he looks a bit like a frazzled nerve, I think, doesn't he?
0: That's cool. I like that. Like yeah. just
2: constantly on edge and just maybe not about to snap at any moment, but about to get like shocked and zapped at any moment.
0: Yeah. I love him so much.
2: Emma, what did you think of the little Muppet Labs?
1: I thought it was really tight. I thought it was funny. Mm. I liked the whole kind of magnetic carrots gag and sealing the steel rabbit boing in. And yeah, I, it was nice to see Emmerak and Dr. Bunsen. <laughs> I know.
0: They always have this, like the, the lab looked great. It looked very, they'd given it like a nice little uh of colour. <laughs> <A zhoosh. laughs> Even Emmerak got that season two money.
2: yeah. yeah. The research grant had actually been upped for season two.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Then we go into um, Zero and Sam in the dressing room and Sam's giving this whole kind of decency and dignity speech. But then you've got Zero behind him, kind of like goofing with a hammer, water, and then a gun. (laughs) A gun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, what what every actor has in their dressing
2: room. Yeah. we're not in a murder mystery the key three (laughs) yeah Yeah.
0: bread water gun
2: gun. yeah no i thought it was quite fun yeah it was quite fun but it also other than the fact it seemed to escalate with the gun it didn't really seem to go anywhere in terms of you know like sam the eagle never caught zero doing anything or it didn't get to the point of absolute silliness i guess it just do you know what i mean like it was just essentially the same thing three times
0: yes it it was diminishing returns
2: i guess maybe if you hadn't seen the uk spot it would be that continuation of the plot but because we have seen the uk spot it does also feel a little bit like okay we already know that sam the eagle feels this way and like sure he's telling this week's guest but what more to that and again, maybe it's just also that we're not that familiar with Zero Mostel. Like maybe that's funnier if you've seen him do some very serious things on Broadway. And but I, I don't know. Yeah,
0: he seems like an everything in the kitchen sink kind of mm. uh, performer where it, it's anything for a laugh. You know, it's 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 shtick, it's gags, it's gurning, it's singing, it's. Uh, surprising movements from a man of his size. You know, it's, it's, I mean, we get to it later on where he literally lifts off that, what turned out to be a quite awful wig, just for a gag, literally for a little sight gag. And yeah, I think unfortunately with this, there was a moment where Sam turned around and Zero still had the gun. Yeah. And he had, and then at that point, it technically kind of like the game of that, oh, I don't see what's happening. And I turn around, it's kind of broken uh which was a shame because up until that point I was still fairly entertained but yeah then we get our second cup of water just poured <laughs> poured out <laughs> so much water um, so much water but it was I I I didn't I, it was all right it could have it could have been I think it more could have just been a bit sharper mm. yeah much like um like the sketch with
2: Avery Schreiber are you thinking of
0: probably in the art gallery gallery. with yes exactly um you know where that just needed a bit more it was fairly tight it just needed a little bit more tightening but at
2: least that did have a sense of like you know like the food getting stolen there was also a bit more I'm not you know it wasn't an arc per se but there was a bit of an escalation and a story to that whereas this was literally him just sat behind Sam the Eagle doing silly faces and pointing a gun at him I mean, if anything, I feel like that could have been the UK spot and Sam the Eagle and Kermit talking could have been actually part of the episode.
0: But then they'd never waste the guest in just the UK spot, I suppose.
2: Well, no, probably not. But it feels quite fluffy and frivolous. It doesn't... It feels like you could lose it and you wouldn't really lose any of the rest of the episode, particularly. Yeah, that's Um, true. Yeah.
0: Can I make a guess? The song that comes next between uh, Zoot and Rolf Is the song called Smoke Gets In Your Eyes? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes! I was like, funny gag. (laughs) But you know the song, right? Yeah, well, I know it's, I know the name. I didn't recognize it from the tune. It was only once the saxophone started smoking, I thought, well, this is probably the song Smoke Gets In Your Eyes. And I'm sure this is very funny.
2: started playing I was like oh is this smoke gets in your eyes and then I kind of lost like you know when you're sort of expecting the tune to go a certain way and it didn't quite go exactly how I was expecting as soon as the sack started smoking I was like oh no it must be smoke gets in your eyes all
0: I could write down was I love the smell of haze
2: (laughs) oh yeah that is a nice smell
0: that smell of either on stage or the sort of smell of a school
2: Mm.
0: disco I love the smell of haze I would quite happily purchase a bottle of haze (laughs) and just set it off in my flat just to, <laughs> and just wander about like I'm in a Kate Bush music video or something. I just, <laughs> just, just really like the smell of it's haze. It's a good smell. Emma, thoughts on <laughs> haze?
2: Mm.
0: <laughs> no, not a fan.
2: No. No. Oh,
1: I
0: love it. I have a very visceral memory of being at a school disco, just like a little weirdo kid, just standing right by the haze machine, just so I could like <laughs> breathe, breathe
2: in it. I've probably had the teachers really concerned. <laughs>
0: He's puffing fumes again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least it wasn't like glue.
2: Fun fun well, you both probably know this already, but smoke gets in your eyes is the name of the pilot for Mad Men, which uh, yes. you possibly knew. Um and when I was looking up about the song and then got onto Mad Men, this is just very much an aside, but did you know the pilot of Mad Men cost three million dollars to make what? i know what What? do they spend it on
0: (laughs) well i suppose the sets
2: yeah i'm guessing it was the period stuff in general wow i wonder
0: if off of the three million spent on the pilot then the rest of the episodes are substantially cheaper because all of the sets are standing you know a lot of the suits i assume they wear a second time (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) they're just like throwing them into a fire
1: I mean, apart from when they get to, like, Don's apartment with the sunken lounge and the fire.
2: Oh, that's a
0: beautiful apartment. (laughs)
2: Every season they had lots of new things because it always moved with the times. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, those sets in general, like, the main Sterling Cooper uh, and then in its various different guises, obviously they would only need to make those sets one time, each time and everything. Um, So, yeah, but I just sorry this is very off topic but i just could not believe it cost three million dollars i said to rich i was like you know there's perfectly decent films that are made for like 100k 200k like yes obviously they're not on that same level but the fact that this was three million on a pilot that might not have even got picked up is insane to me absolutely insane i just want to know how they got the backing for that yeah i know right I know.
0: Which characters from Mad Men do you think would be watching The Muppet Show in 1977-78?
2: Peggy. Peggy's definitely watching.
0: Do you think?
2: Yes.
0: I can see Roger Sterling watching The Muppet Show.
2: Roger's watching. I think Ginsburg's probably watching. What,
0: from his institution?
2: <laughs> yes. After he's been institutionalised. <laughs> With his nipples
0: cut off. Just <laughs> spoilers for season seven of Mad Men.
2: oh sorry i didn't sorry i've said the wrong name. kinsey's who i meant oh
0: yeah kinsey the guy who who went off to try and write star trek yeah
2: Yeah. sorry i didn't mean ginsberg i mean ginsberg
0: might be watching but maybe not by choice he might be in some kind of lounge where they're not allowed to change the (laughs) television channel how old would jones kids be at that point jones baby would maybe be like nine or ten so maybe she has to watch it because her child would be watching it (laughs)
2: Is he Kevin or have I made that? Go up? with
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. There's, maybe there's an alternate universe where uh, successful actress uh, Megan Megan Draper guests on the Muppet show and sings <laughs> "Zooby Zooby Zoo." Oh my
2: god, that would be amazing! <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine? <laughs> yes. Although even better, even better than that, I actually want Will Fort dressed as the angel from 30 rock <laughs> to do Zooby Zooby zoo on the muppet show in the 70s uh, that would be even better
0: yeah perfect <laughs> yeah i can't think of any other characters from Mad Men that i think would watch
1: what about what was oh god don and betty's third child baby jean, jean. <laughs> baby jean
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so baby jean's probably watching it oh i was about to say betty would be watching it with him but she's definitely dead by 1977 78
2: betty is a hundred percent dead. So Sally is watching it with Baby Jean, unfortunately. Oh
0: Jesus, that's bleak. <laughs> that's a sad story.
2: <laughs> we love you, Sally.
0: <laughs> Although, unfortunately, the diminishing returns of Kin and Shipka.
2: <laughs> She's gonna be in that. Um, what's it called? It's called like the Plumbers or something. But it's basically about Watergate, and loads of people are in it. It's a new HBO show that looks fairly decent. So I'm hoping that that's the. Uh, the return of, of Kin. She
0: was really bad in Sabrina. I don't know what I happened. What watched it? <laughs> I s- stumbled my way through about three episodes, and then I said to Peter, "I am done here. <laughs> there, is, <laughs> there is nothing for me here." <laughs> and every so often, I'd wander in when, like, seasons later, and just what is this program? <laughs> just,
2: is he still watching it?
0: I think it's finished now, but he wa- he watched oh, okay. it right to the end. Oh my! Yeah. But then again, you know, everybody I know watches Emily in Paris, and I have not dipped my toe into the Seine, as it were, to <laughs> indulge in that rubbish.
2: There's, there's no need. There's no need.
0: <laughs> Emma watches Emily in Paris.
2: <laughs> oh, Emma! It's terrible, though. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what everyone says. Like, no one is like, "Oh, it's great." Everyone says it's <laughs> terrible. <laughs>
0: They bring back Emily and Pari, but they couldn't give me a final season or wrap up movie for Glow, which brings us to, oh my God, I didn't even think, Lady
2: Wrestlers. Is that the next, oh no, hold on, wait, not yet. We've got Zero's um poem.
0: Oh, but we get the, we do get, oh, actually, we do, before Smoke Gets In Your Eyes, we did get introduced by, to Granny the Gouger.
1: Oh yeah, because she like slams Kermit to the side of the wall, doesn't she?
0: Yeah. And then it goes to Smoke Gets In Your Eyes.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
0: So I just wanted to take that. Look, I've got us right back on track. I took us <laughs> off to Mad Men, but brought us right back.
2: <laughs> uh, yes, Granny the Gouger, performed by Jerry Nelson.
0: Nothing funner than a comedy grandma. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Who's a wrestler.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting for the episode, the eventual episode of The Golden Girls. Peter, Peter and I are watching it through on Disney Plus, where I'm sure they'll get Ruby Clanahan or Betty White dressed up as a wrestler for some reason.
2: <laughs> I I actually have a question though, which is after watching Glow and this is where all of my information on this comes from. I assumed that lady wrestling was very much an 80s thing. But was it was it prior uh, to that? It, was it was it more of a 70s thing?
0: I guess it must have been. Yeah. I mean, they had Foxy boxing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's something that Don Draper named right there. Foxy Boxing.
0: Yeah. Right right after the meeting about Highlight.
2: Yeah. Highlight.
0: Lie. lie and Foxy
2: Boxing. <laughs> yeah. So Granny the Goucher.
0: Granny the Goucher.
2: What a, what a Muppet.
0: <laughs> let's let's move on to this second Zero Mostel thing.
2: So this is Fears of Zero, and it was written by Jerry Jewell. So, Jerry Jewell wrote the poem specifically for this sketch. Really? Which, yeah, I know. Late, late at night, the world sleeps. And I am here alone. And here I come some nights to confront my fears. Oh, they hear my fears, they are always with me lurking, scurrying, hiding and waiting. They come and they go. (laughs) Though they are gone, they are never far. And here alone at night I can confront them. Emma, do you want to kick us off on this? Because I'm struggling to find the words at the moment. Yeah, no.
1: I found this super intense. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's probably the key word that I took away from this. Yeah, I mean, we had the scary ragtag Muppets, the weird, like, wiggly finger that he kept doing, and it was quite dark. I mean, he did a lot of, like, physical comedy, but yeah, it was, um, it was
2: very, very dark.
1: (laughs) Was
0: anybody else getting Comedy Tonight flashbacks?
2: Yes. Yes. Big time, which I I like. I didn't mind that they'd obviously lent into the fact that he's the natural big...
0: unsettling nature of Zero Mustel. Yeah,
2: exactly. That's what I was gonna say. That he's obviously like a big, hairy older man. Like <laughs> Lewis is getting excited at these words. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um...
1: <laughs> jokes, jokes. Yeah, no. I mean, if the, <laughs> yeah, well...
2: if the if the shoe fits. Um, And to start with, to be honest, I didn't, I didn't hate it. Like the fact of when like the first time the the monsters popped up and everything, I was like, okay, like this is what we're doing. But again, it just felt so repetitive. And it was, it went on and on and on. And there was no real escalation at all. And like, he wasn't even particularly interacting with the monsters or anything like you know he was just reciting this poem and they were popping up and disappearing and that sound effect that happened just a split second too late for (laughs) when they were meant to disappear (laughs) (laughs) i don't know again it just the the finessing on it did not feel right it was not developed enough Mm. i think really the
0: disappearing of the muppets i thought was always very well done the fact that yeah. particularly in the cupboards and the bookcase where they would just go and they'd, they'd be yeah. gone. I liked that. But yeah, we then had it five times and then one giant Muppet wanders on at the end and gets rid of Zero Mostel. Or Zero Mostel is what he's scared of. So Zero Mostel disappears. It's Well,
2: the line from the poem is that he's basically imaginary himself. He's a figment of imagination. So I guess it's meant to be that he's a figment of the monster's imagination. What a twist. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just oh and and to to see him lift off that horrendous toupee was quite something.
0: Again, it shows the fact that we have put up with a real mixed bag of men's hair from this first season of the Muppet <laughs> show that I didn't question whether it was real hair or a wig. I just went, that's hair care in the seventies for men. And then he just <laughs> lifted that bad boy right off. Like it was a coaster on a coffee table just just, and <laughs> I mean, you know, kudos to the man who has, you know, having a complete lack of vanity is a very good thing for comedy, but I didn't think actually the gag was really worth it. You know, like he sort of gingerly lifted it off a little bit. You got a flash of a bald head and then it was gone. Yeah, very, very odd couple of minutes.
2: I couldn't help but feel that like his two main sketches both wildly missed the mark for me. Both of them seemed to go on for far too long. I would have rather had both of them be shorter Mm. and then maybe have a third... Sketch that maybe I actually did particularly enjoy, or even to flesh out the Sam the Eagle one a bit more and have that develop. And I know we sort of mentioned this last season when we found out that the talk spot wasn't necessarily going to continue, but I kind of missed having that actual interaction and that chat with either Kermit or Fozzie or Piggy. Like, we didn't really get a sense of his personality too much beyond to use your word, Emma, being an intense theatrical actor who also will do anything for a gag. Yeah. And that probably is his character, but it might have just been fun to see that in conjunction with a Muppet, as opposed to just singing his song with the Queen. And then this, which was essentially just him reciting a poem. A shit poem. (laughs) So so I just want to make that
0: (laughs) very abundantly clear about my opinion on the poem.
2: (laughs) Jerry Jewell great at writing for the Muppets not so great at writing poetry
0: don't think he's going to be getting a call to be the poet laureate of 1979 or now this development of the backstage runner I hoped it was going to go in this direction and then it did we get Kermit asking Miss Piggy to be the second lady wrestler and we just get some classic Piggy
2: (sighs) She was amazing. I I loved when he was picking her up with I need an actress of strength and versatility who's all female and Piggy's throwing herself around yeah. posing in the be- with the best of them. And when she's like, is it Joan of Arc? Or Lady Macbeth?
0: What was and the then middle then, one she said? I could not make that out at all.
2: Some Something Marietta, I think.
0: Yeah, I did know that one. I didn't recognise it.
2: Emma, did you did you catch that? No, I didn't. Let me see if I can find it quick. Hold on. Transcribe. Naughty Marietta.
0: Who the hell is Naughty Marietta?
2: I'm going to find out. I've
0: never come across that piece when I've been <laughs> auditioning. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: based on a... So it was a 35 musical romance based on a 1910 operetta of the same name.
0: I have never heard of Naughty Marietta. Uh,
2: I do not know why that is what Piggy decided to use as her
0: (laughs) second... So weird. Of all the parts, you know, female parts you could... anyway, But yes, but then it just, I mean, the the shots of Piggy just screeching after Kermit as they run in the background was just gold. (laughs) I love when Piggy screams.
2: It felt so piggy as well. Like, it really did feel like they've 100% got her character now. Yeah. You know, she's she's all sweetness and light. She's trying to butter it up. Then she's so hopeful that he's going to give her, you know, her Lady Macbeth starring role. And then the crashing realisation of what it is that the frog is proposing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and her sheer horror and anger beautifully brought to life in in a very violent way is just it's just spectacular it's just so nice and then we
0: get a little just like 20 second bit with animal playing his drums until they burst into flames (laughs)
2: loved it yeah me too great (laughs) yeah it was really good perfect no complaints I feel no I feel like I reckon possibly that because both of Zero's main sketches were so long, they obviously just needed to find a couple of things to fill some time. And this was a an easy win. Yeah, so
0: not enough to do another full skit or song, but just, yeah, fire. Yeah. Always hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they must have clocked over the first season how much of a hit Animal was. So, you know, yeah. to say, let's just chuck in a little animal bit. It makes sense.
2: And just nice to see him not, necessarily in the context of electric mayhem or like earlier in the episode when he got the door and he takes the door off the hinges which was really funny but is also just like okay animal's just a silly billy <laughs> <laughs> like this is just animal doing what he a does Silly Billy. <laughs> <laughs> and then we we
0: go to the the last sketch of the episode, or so the combination of the runner as well which is the the female wrestlers so we have Granny the Gouger, and then we have Kermit in a very fetching silver cape, wig, and eye mask. Uh <laughs> filling in as the second lady wrestler. What did you both think of this?
2: I mean, I really loved Kermit as mysterious Miss Mask. I thought that was quite hilarious that he'd just popped a little blonde wig on and put a cape on. A little pussycat wig, of... anyway. Went... <laughs> yeah. It's just like okay, I can do this. Um, I mean, I felt like their actual wrestling between Kermit and Granny the Gouger was a little bit, okay, it was fine. It quite rough. Yeah. yeah. Not as it in, didn't... like, you
0: know, punching below the belt. I just mean, it yeah. was, the puppeteering was... Not great. Just, uh, yeah, very vague. Like,
2: the, the fluidity and the dynamism that we've talked about earlier in the episode mm. was missing in how they were staging that, I think. But, Having said that, I loved how it finished with Piggy coming on to defend Kermit's honour and yeah. giving an amazing hi yeah" to Granny. So I kind of could forgive it in a way because it led us to that point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think without Piggy it would have been quite a damp squib. Squid. It's squib. It's squib. It's not damp squid. <laughs> Isn't it? It's damp,
2: no, it's damp squib. Squid. It is squib. Sorry. I just.
0: it's a moo point it's a cow's opinion
2: (laughs) oh no i
1: i agree jade i quite liked it when piggy came on and she did a hair flip before she started as
2: well i thought that was quite comical she was on fire she i feel like she was like okay i don't want to be a wrestler but i'm not letting you attack kermit so
0: that's my job
2: exactly yeah exactly (laughs)
0: Yeah, I I I think I was more than anything just great for, not so much for the the actual skit that closed, you know, the the female wrestlers, but to have as we said a just a really consistent threaded plot, which is what we craved so badly last year when we were just sitting through scene after scene backstage of terrible puns and bad gags. And this is just so much more interesting because the Muppets are great characters with such nuance to them that you can't get nuance when you're just delivering, um, here's a funny thing that happened here. You know, it's 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 just a lot more interesting, even if we do have to sit through a very sort of badly choreographed wrestling bit.
2: I suppose I can kind of forgive them a little bit for the wrestling not being amazing. Just because actually like, They're trying something new with The Runner and combining that with onstage business. Obviously, it was written originally by someone who was auditioning to come on the show. So maybe didn't have that good of an idea of whether it would actually be possible with the technology and Hmm. the puppets that they had at the time or whatever. But they still did it. And like i have to give them kudos for that because i think like actually you know it's such a huge development and it's it feels like such a big step in the evolution of the show that actually okay fine their wrestling wasn't amazing but maybe maybe we've just watched too much glow and that's fine
0: (laughs) and yet still not not enough enough glow
2: (laughs) bring it back damn it just give me a movie to conclude it Kate Nash isn't busy. (laughs) I'd take a half an hour special to just quickly whiz round and (laughs) see what they're all up to. (laughs) Oh, I miss Glow. So sad. Speaking
0: of unsatisfying conclusions, uh, the the weird goodbye ending with Zero biting Sam the eagle on the beak.
2: Yeah,
1: what was that? That was very weird. I did quite like Kermit in all his bandages. Yes. I thought that was quite funny. But yeah, no, that bit was super weird.
0: Yeah, yeah, I didn't I didn't care for that at all.
2: <laughs> I assume it was because they said that Zero had joined the monsters. And what do the monsters do on the Muppet Show? They eat people and things. But yeah. I still don't get it. And also that puppet is so gorgeous, how dare you eat it? Like I know. leave leave that gorgeous puppet alone. And what if the
0: puppeteer didn't get their hand out quick enough? <laughs> <You could> just <laughs> have Zero Mustell's chompers on your fingers. <laughs>
2: Frank Oz, permanently slightly uh, mauled by Zero (laughs) Mostel.
0: Yeah. I will be very interested to see uh, how we are going to rank this episode. But first, we must do our most valued Muppet performer, otherwise known as our MVMP. Jade, why don't you kick us off?
2: I wasn't 100% sure who to go for for my MVMP this week, because... Yeah, like, as we've been saying, Zero didn't have that much interaction with any particular Muppets. Um, The Runner was good because it, it showed such development, but I don't necessarily know if I felt like any of the Runner characters stood out hugely. But, but of the Runner characters, I feel like Sam the Eagle was my favourite. And I think he did a very, very good job this episode of desperately trying to... Uphold the moral integrity of this show. Yeah. And all of his little inserts were so funny and so good, and he he did make me laugh, and I just thoroughly enjoyed seeing him, and I thought he did look gorgeous. So I'm going to give it to Sam the Eagle this week. Emma, who was your MVMP? Well, like the first season,
1: Jade, me and you <laughs> have chosen the same MVMP, because mine's Yay! Sam as well. Woo, go Sam. Woo! I liked his whole like decency and dignity thing, you know, trying to bring some wholesomeness to the Muppet show. <laughs> and it was just nice to see him develop a bit more as well and have more interactions. So yeah, I think same as you, Sam is my MVMP. How about you, Lou?
0: In any other episode, I would absolutely agree with you both and give it to Sam the Eagle, but... <laughs> i I can't not give it to beaker just the moment he crept his way around the little monitor. I was just so filled with joy and <laughs> i it's like it is like my son has returned it to me like. <laughs> I'm using my my second jumper. It's like a it's like a wrap.
2: Lewis has got a shawl around <laughs> him, basically, and he does look like some widowed elderly lady who did lose her son in the war, and is just like, "Oh, he's back!"
0: <laughs> and I'm winning a supporting actress nomination. Now. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, yeah, he sat, like, yeah. he
1: sat on a rocking chair on a porch, uh, yeah, with some knitting, yeah,
0: <laughs> but, yeah. He, he was so cute and. Even without his meeping or his voice, just purely on visuals alone, he they me be so happy. And so I can't, I can't not give it to Beaker. So
2: I I was tempted by Beaker, but I also, I know there's going to be so much more Beaker to come and I'm...
0: Oh, there will. And much like Emma, I will just keep voting for him every damn week. (laughs) If Emma's going to be trying (laughs) to turn this into Rolf's favour, then I'm going pure Beaker all the way.
2: (laughs) I feel like we're going to have to put a limit. I know, it's going to be like a
1: fight to the death between (laughs) Beaker and Rolf.
2: (laughs) I think we might have to say, like, you can vote for them both three times a season or something, because otherwise... It's no! Just... <laughs> <laughs> we'll decide off air, it's fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds serious. <laughs>
2: Because I'm just concerned that it's just going to be me having to give out all of the other actual ones and you two are just going to be like, I'm sorry, last week I gave it
0: to Zelda Rose. I
2: mean, (laughs) when have I
0: ever... I gave it two times in a row to Sentient Bread.
1: (laughs) I think I gave one of them last year to the Sentient... No, what was it? The Magic Trick Cupboard.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Emma literally gave it to a box. (laughs) So I think it's fine. I think we shall be fair.
2: (laughs) I think so, too. Well, I'm hoping so. We, we You know, we'll, we'll see. OK, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> uh, shall we do our rating? Emma, do you want
1: to kick us off? So my rating for this week's episode is four and a half magnetic carrots out of ten. Very good. There were bits that I liked, like Muppet Labs and the, the lady wrestling thing actually was quite good. And all the backstage business with Sam and Kermit. And actually the little like Chopin opening Mm -hmm. was pretty fun. Um, And actually the sort of UK spot as well, which I'd never thought I would actually say. (laughs) But I didn't enjoy at the dance, Mm. the what do simple folk do or fears of zero to be completely honest. So when I balanced that out, I kind of came to the score of four and a half for this episode. How about you, Lewis?
0: So I'm going to go a bit higher this week. I am going to give it five flaming candles flying through the air. <laughs> <laughs> I came down on the, just about on the positive side of Zero Mostel. I light, what do the the common folk do? Or am I thinking of pulp, common people? <laughs>
1: That's common. Yeah, it's what do simple, simple folk do? Folks, yeah, it's
2: even yeah. worse than common. It's simple. It's just like, you're not, you're not even just poor, you're simple.
1: <laughs> I
0: wish I was simple. <laughs> um, cursed with existential angst. Um, no, I, really, I enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the Chopin. I loved, you know, the, the really solidly structured runner and how that, Fed and drove the episode, even if the conclusion was a bit messy. So I think I think straight down the middle, five out of ten is 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 fair. It's it, I enjoyed it more than last week's episode, but I know there, there's a lot more greatness to come. So I'm being a bit I'm being you know I'm erring on the lower end at the moment. Jade, what about you?
2: Oh, I found this really hard because I really didn't particularly enjoy Zero Mostels sections at all. But I think, as you've both just said, there was actually quite a lot there to enjoy. And I feel like I did on the whole really enjoy the Muppety business of of things that went on. So I'm gonna give it the same rating that I gave last week's one. I'm gonna go five and a half again and I'm gonna go five and a half Chopin. Chopin <laughs> I think Sam the Eagle was amazing throughout as as I've said with my MVMP. Um the, the beginning with Animal and Chopin was great. I really liked Muppet Labs. And it's amazing to see Beaker finally uh. return or, or, you know, Arrived. Yes. Arrive. <laughs> um, and I did enjoy Miss Piggy and particularly her taking on Granny the Gouger at the end. It You know, that was a satisfying ending to The Runner. But yeah, I think having stuff like at the dance and... I don't know just generally being disappointed with zero's sketches and musical numbers and everything like it's still very much in the balance. I don't think it's it's not tipping into like genuinely very very positive. But I feel like last week's episode was so strange because of having like the runner cut out and the last number missing and all of that jazz that actually to go any lower than five and a half for me feels a bit unfair because this is so much more of a cohesive decent episode of television but I can't I can't equally go any higher because it's like actually I really didn't get on with this guest particularly well so yeah five and a half Chopin Chopin and I'm just looking forward to them finding their feet a bit more with these runners and also getting away from things like at the dance and just finding a bit more of that Muppety anarchy that we love.
0: It bodes well. I think it's yes. good things are coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame Zero Mustel was never in West Side Story. I could have done a something's coming, something good. But <laughs> wasn't. I think it's now time for us to head into our Jade's Muppet Book Club. <laughs> Ooh. we need to have like a little boom 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 boom
1: i know i feel like we need some cushions or something <laughs>
0: cushions
1: yeah to like sit on book it, a book club
0: you've never been to a book club
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> As if a defining feature of a book club is oh they all sit on cushions
2: i think a defining feature of a book club is wine, wine. yes exactly yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's crack open our bottles and jade give, give us our our <laughs> quote from of muppets and men this week
2: uh so i've picked a quote this week which is all about kermit because i felt like kermit's got quite an important role to play in this particular episode and runner um okay so this is taken from the making of the muppet show of muppets and men by christopher finch and christopher finch writes Jerry Jewell, who probably knows Kermit as well as anyone but Henson, says that the Frog is deceptively difficult to write for, unexpectedly complex. People tend to think Kermit is just the straight man, but Jewell insists that this is far from being the case. And then a quote from Jewell. He is much more than that. He relates to the other characters on many different levels. More important, they have to relate to him. The other characters do not have what it takes to hold things together. Kermit does have that ability but at the same time, he understands the others. He cares for them. On one show, the guest remarked to Kermit that he was the only character around who was not crazy. Me? Not crazy? Kermit said. I hired the others! (laughs) That's one of my favourite lines. The fact is that Kermit loves anarchy, but is able to impose just enough discipline to stop things from falling apart. No one else can help him, because none of the other characters knows how. That's why he gets frazzled, because it all comes down to him it takes a lot to push him over the edge but it does happen once in a
0: while that's great that's a very good summation of kermit yeah
2: and i think it's really quite interesting this idea of the reason he does get frazzled is because all the others are off being so crazy all of the time that they can't take a moment away from their craziness to basically sort of go like okay what what you know like with this week what do we need to do in order to get everyone paid it's like nope that's that's on you, Kermit. No, yeah. no one else is going to help you with that.
0: I love that the uh the total that they needed to pay everybody in the Muppet Show was twenty seven dollars
2: and fourteen cents, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, yeah. Don't forget the fourteen cents. <laughs> Don't forget the fourteen. Cents. I feel like that fourteen cents might have been Muppy's take or something. You know, like.
0: <laughs> but does he have to split it with the real dog?
2: <laughs> That's his danger money for being in that
1: sketch. <laughs> oh my
0: god! Yeah, he got paid a premium this week. And on that note Thank you so much for listening to Muppetsational If you've enjoyed the episode Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review As it really helps spread the word about the podcast You can follow us on social media We are at Muppetsational On Instagram, Twitter, TikTok and Facebook You can contact us at hiho at muppetspodcast.com And you can find out more about us and the podcast At muppetspodcast.com Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Muppet-sational. I've been Lewis Chandler.
1: I've been Jade Turner. And I've been Emma Chandler.
0: And we shall join you next week for another episode of Muppet-sational. Bye. Bye! Bye! Bye!
2: Our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin MacLeod and our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge. who you can follow charlie underscore r underscore rudge on instagram
1: that was a funny show
2: yes it was
1: i wonder if they meant it that way